Hey, welcome to Reading Chats. Are y'all ready for this? We are on the second episode of our series about The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. So in our first episode, we talked about the characters, and this book has quite a few characters. Um, I'm going to remind you of the four four main ones right now, the two antagonists and the two protagonists. So the two protagonists are Luna and Antane, and the two antagonists are Grand Elder Gerland and Sister Ignatia. So in this episode, we are going to focus on the plot, and we are going to include the setting or settings that the plot evolves in. This book was kind of tricky for me. Um, When it starts out, I had kind of a hard time getting into it. It's two stories that are told parallel to each other, but separately from one another, even though they dip in and they impact the other story that's going on. Like the things going on with Luna and Jeanne and Glerk sort of impact the things going on with Antaine and Athene and Sister Ignatia and uh, Grand Elder Gerland. So... Their two stories kind of remain separate until sort of the climax of the book, and then they come together real quick, and the reader is able to see how they um, impacted one another and what the point of, you know, some of the events that happened is on the other thing. Um, There are little parts that are being told by an unnamed parent. It's just called a parent. And you can tell that the parent is talking to the child. And these took me several chapters to sort of start making any sense of because the parent is telling the child stories about the witch and the parent is explaining some of these odd traditions that the townspeople have to the child. And they're left mysterious and unnamed through the whole time. Um, But through these things, we learn of the witch we learn that the witch takes a baby from the woods every year on what is called the day of sacrifice Uh, we learn that nobody really understands why this happens that the townspeople are not happy they are full of sorrow they have no control Um, they're just kind of a hopeless place that that I, I imagined it to be sort of a kind of a depressed and cloudy community. Um, so as the as the plot gets going, we find Antane, and he works with his uncle Gerland, who is a grand elder in the protectorate. And as kind of a, a young boy, Antane witnesses this horribly traumatic event of a baby being taken from its mother for the day of sacrifice and it's been predetermined that this would be the baby that's sacrificed by the rules of how they decide you know it's like the youngest baby at this time of year and the mother doesn't want him to take her baby she doesn't react like most of the mothers in the protectorate do in thinking that they had no choice they just had to give their baby up this mother actually fights for her baby she has a complete and total mental and physical breakdown 
refusing to give up her baby to the to the members of the protectorate and they still take the baby and they leave it in the woods and this this lady is known as the mad woman throughout the whole plot of the book um and she's locked up in a tower and she lives with the order of the sisters where sister ignatia runs things so they take the baby and they leave it in the woods and this is where jeanne who is a witch um she comes to save the baby each year she finds a baby in the woods at the same time of year she doesn't know why the baby's there she doesn't know who leaves it there Uh, from jeanne's perspective she is saving this baby and finding it a family that it can live with out in the free cities which are sort of they're far off but they're kind of neighboring country to the protectorate Um, so jeanne takes the baby feeds it nurtures it transports it to the free cities and finds it a good adoptive family where it's raised Um, but this year Jean does find the baby as usual and she accidentally enmagics the baby during their travel to the free city to find it a new home she accidentally feeds this baby moonlight Um, and this is what enmagics Luna drinking moonlight has strong powers and so Jean decides that she better keep this baby because you know a normal family in the free cities might not know what to do with her and Luna might not know what to do with her magic but Jean knows that this baby is going to have magical powers so she takes her home and Luna grows up with Jan and Glerk and Firion and they name her they care for her they treat her as their own and throughout the years Jeanne and Glerk and Firion get these glimpses of just how powerful Luna's magic is going to be. And as she grows, it strengthens. And there's even one point when Jeanne tries to suppress it a little bit and sort of hide it in Luna. Because Luna doesn't know about it, but she also is too young to control it and use it as it should be used. So that's um, one line of the story plot is it follows Luna and her growing up and the things she does with Jeanne and the the travels that she has with her and the love that grows between all of them Jeanne and Glerk and Firion and Luna so the other side of the storyline it sticks with Antaine and he decides he doesn't want to work anymore with the protectorate and the elders of the town including his uncle Garland Um, but he's never forgotten he's never able to forget that horrible experience of how that baby was taken from its mother and how that mother reacted so he's distanced himself from the the governing officials and even his uncle Garland and at one point he decides that he's gonna go visit the mad woman um, who as I said remains locked in a tower at Sister Ignatia's sisterhood. And when he visits her, um, it's not a great visit, but he he gets attacked by some of her birds. She has magic paper birds, but he's left with physical markings and scars. And 
So he becomes more of kind of um, a loner. He does his own work. Um, he does great carpentry work and people love his work and he's he has a good job and he has a good decent life. But he kind of sticks to himself because he feels like he's too ugly for anyone to want him. Now, this is where, as it develops, we see Athene. And she's actually a member of the sisterhood for a while. But she does something that has never been done before and is unprecedented. And she leaves that sisterhood. And as the story progresses, Antane and Athene grow affectionate affectionate towards one another. Um, They eventually marry and they, they kind of settle into their, you know, their life and their family and he works and does this and then, you know, they do want to have kids. Um, at one point, um, they learned that, um, their baby is supposed to be the one that sacrificed on the day of sacrifice. So that makes the things a little bit interesting. And Antane has found a map and some things and he found it but it was actually drawn by the mad woman locked in the tower and it actually shows where Jean lives. Now the mad woman as she was drawing the map, you have to kind of infer she's She's more um, like in tune with where her, her actual daughter is. So Antane one day is going to need that map. Um, so let's leave Antane's side for a minute and go back to Luna's side where her magic is awakening. As she comes of age and as she gets older, she notices several odd occurrences. Jeanne and Glerick and Firion are noticing things. Um, she's able to draw fantastical, wonderful things. She also finds some boots that turn out to be a key item as the story comes together in its climax. And as her strength grows, there's sort of an inverse relationship with Jean's strength and her magic strength of Jean is weakening and Jean herself is weakening and losing energy. So when when we get to the climax of this plot, it all happens really kind of fast. Um, so Antane has this map, and he has this hope that he can somehow talk to the witch and convince her not to take this baby. But remember, Jean only takes the baby because she finds it and she wants to help it. So Antane follows this map in an effort to reason with this supposed witch that's out here. Well, supposed evil witch, even though Jeanne is a witch, she's not evil. Um, so as this happens, Sister Ignatia and Gerlin come up with a plan to kill Antane because they realize he's going to confront the witch and he's going to learn what is really going on. And so they have this plan and so they leave, they leave the city they leave the town to go take care of Antane. Jean is on her way to the place in the forest where they sacrifice the baby because it's that time of year. 
So she's on her way. So they're all headed to the same place for different reasons. Antaine and Jean are going there. And at the same time, Sister Ignatia and Gerland are going there. And then everything just happens so fast. Um, since Sister Ignatia left, some of her ominous and dark power is no longer hanging over the sisterhood in the town. And Athene is able to go and enlist the help of some of the people she still knows there. And in the midst of all this, the madwoman has escaped. And she is also out looking for Luna. So she's kind of on the same path or going to the same destination as everyone else. Sister Ignatia is looking for those magic boots, which, as I said, Luna has found them. And Antaine, he does find the witch. He finds Jeanne. But she's in the form of a bird, so he doesn't recognize that this is a witch. She's in the form of a sparrow. Um, and then we find Firion, who has been this little tiny dragon for his whole life, waiting for some supposed predetermined destiny to be a giant, helpful, great dragon. And he starts transforming. He starts growing. Uh, he starts finding his voice, too. And Athene is there at the sisterhood. Um, she ends up leading kind of this overthrow of Sister Ignatia with the sisters. And this is where the reader is is led into Sister Ignatia's dark power. And Sister Ignatia is really dark and heartless. And she loves and thrives off the sorrow of other people. And when you learn this in the book, it, it's just sort of a rude awakening that someone could be so mean. And have you ever come across those people in your life and you just wonder, how can they be so mean? Um, that's how this detail of her character struck me. It's just, it's senseless. But, so they all meet, all of these characters that are all headed to the same place in the forest on the day of sacrifice. They end up meeting and culminating at the top of a hill. And John is able to help Luna use her magic for good and to protect everyone from the elders. This includes Uncle Garland of the Protectorate and from Sister Ignatia. And I don't want to give all the details of the plot in the story, but everything is resolved. Everything ends on a good note with good triumphing over evil and the, the people of the town it's evident in the way their lives progress it's evident in the family that Antaine and Athene are able to start and grow and it, it's left me with an overwhelming feeling of kind of relief that that good was successful over evil, evil, that Luna was able to harness her good, kind, loving powers, and she had just enough time with Jeanne to get some good training on how to use those, and then that set her off on a good path to continue to do so. Um, so that's kind of the, 
the plot and the setting. It's, you know, it's a mysterious sort of fantasy kind of setting because you're not in like a world like we live in. And um, you've got the two parallel stories that are running right along next to each other and then they collide and everything comes together. It's climaxed and it's solved. So um, that's going to conclude this episode of our reading chats and we will do one more episode on the girl who drank the moon and we will talk about the theme in that one so thanks for joining us